Welcome one and all to the VLGA Connect Governance Update brought to you by Hunt and Hunt Lawyers with me and him. Hello, him. Hello, Chris. How are you? Well, thank you, Stephen Cooper. And what's your week been like? Uh, my week's been very busy, except for the day that we'll know as January 26th, which was a bit less busy. So uh, yeah, I'm wondering where you find all the time to play Wordle in all of that. Well, the thing about Wordle, Chris, is if you don't get distracted onto other apps, you only play one game a day. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons I like it, because you don't get stuck. It occurred to me, you know, we've been playing Wordle for a few weeks and um, having this unofficial competition, and we haven't mentioned it on the program once. So there you go. I've rectified that. No, except I can say it's not a competition. Except you got three today and I got four. So there. Indeed. Now, uh, shirt, the Teskey brothers tell me. They're a local local act performing. Local band from originally from Warrandyte, Victoria, Chris, and we were lucky enough to get to the My Music Bowl on Saturday night to see the Teskies and actually only one Teskey because the other one had COVID. Um, and Orchestra Victoria on a beautiful Melbourne evening out of outdoors. And they were terrific. And I was looking at a website the other day that talked to ways that you could support the arts other than going to concerts. And the second thing was buy merch. Right, so, there's your shirt. Yeah. Well, I must admit, I've got, it's time for the hat of the week, a, a, a habit of buying merch when I do go to concerts, back in the days when we could go to concerts. So I plucked this one out for my hat of the week. Can you read that? Kenny and Reba, what a class act. In concert, Australian tour, 1998. Unfortunately, only one of them are still with us. Yeah, well, my hat, I'm not going to leave on for too long, Chris, but I'll just shine a light. <laughs> it's a bit grubby, Steve. It's my camping hat, Chris. And... <laughs> It's very useful when you want to shine a light on things. I was going to say, it had a light. I was blinded by the light for a moment there, Manfred Van. Yeah, we won't do Springsteen today. <laughs> All right, so that's the hat of the week. I think that might be our last hat of the week. What do you think? Because some it's got to come to an end sometime. I think the hats have done, run their race. Yeah. All right. Um, now, you're talking about uh, support the arts, Go to the, if you can't go to the concert, buy the merch. Another one you mentioned to me before we came on is don't listen to them on streaming, buy the album, um, which you, can you still do that? I didn't quite say that. In fact, the weird thing is my kids actually uh, buy vinyl, not, but they would never buy a CD, which is, is right? um, quite weird, Chris. And I'm not saying don't stream, but um, one of the pieces of advice is if you really like the artist, Buy the album, yeah, so right. um, which is a good thing to do. But you want to talk about the streaming services anyway because you've got a little bee in your bonnet regarding one of them. I do have a bit of bee in my bonnet about Spotify at the moment, and I'm I've been a premium Spotify user for years now. Doesn't mean I don't have a lot of albums and CDs. I do. I have thousands of them, and I'm not exaggerating. Um, I'm not quite ready to go back there. But this, you might have heard Neil Young has an issue with Spotify, which has an exclusive deal with Joe Rogan, who's, uh, for some reason, the most listened to podcast in the world. 11 million people listen to his rubbish. And Neil Young agrees it's rubbish. And he said, either take it off or take all my music off. And Spotify's just quietly started removing all Neil Young's music from its library. I understand that in the last 24 hours, it's been more than quietly, Chris, that um, it, if it's not gone now, it will be any nanosecond. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I wonder whether any other artists are going, to, um, are going to take a stand on this. And it's about the misinformation, particularly COVID-related misinformation that the Rogan podcast has been 
spreading. It has seriously made me contemplate whether I want to continue being a paid customer of Spotify, to be honest, Steve. And there are other, um, there are other options out there. Yeah, Chris, we'll come back to um, culture um, shortly. But organisations now, um, there is a client base that expects ethical conduct. And it's really interesting to me in this space that the, um, you know, Facebook, Twitter, um, particularly post the US election, have been really, insofar as multinationals can be, held to account regarding fact-checking and accuracy of information and taking steps where there is some doubt about information to put up some sort of a warning. And I think that's the issue here. Spotify doesn't appear to have taken any steps to correct or warn about the information contained in this particular show. Well, I'm a bit concerned, Chris, that my metadata or whatever it is, as of today, will say that I listened to Joe Rogan, which was about 10 seconds of two episodes. Um, but I went looking and there is no warning at all about the content. Mm. And considering it's all, there is a lot of conspiracy and anti-vax kind of material there, um, that's concerning. First world problem, I guess, but I'm not sure I want them to continue getting my $11. It's, it's really a difficult decision, to be honest. I know it probably shouldn't be, but I've got hundreds of playlists. I'm thinking, how long is it going to take me to replicate them somewhere else? I need to seriously think this through. Uh, enough said on that one. You you used the word culture while we were talking about that issue. So let's just come back to the local government culture review, which is underway with the discussion paper out there. Um, I asked you before we started recording if you're aware of any councils that are making uh, like formal uh, responses to the discussion paper as yet. I know it's a little bit early. You haven't picked up on any talk about that? Not at the moment, Chris. And I should um, give a shout out. We've got... Um, the VLGA's GAN, Governance Advisory Network, meeting with councillors and officers next Friday. And I've done the agenda and we'll be talking about um, the cultural abuse. So I'm, I'm A, interested to hear, you know, what the approach is, but also at that meeting um, on Friday, looking forward to um, the discussion with members about what the approaches are um, of the individual councils, because we've certainly got some thoughts. Um, and I know you've been giving some thought to even just the, the issue of defining what culture is. I think it's a, it's a really important topic, Chris. I think that notion of, well, what is it? Because it's not necessarily um, what an individual experiences. It's also the culture is, is about the experience of others, how those combined experiences modify the behaviour of others. Um, so I popped a little... Definition. I kind of butchered some work by Edgar Schein, who I quite like his work from the MIT, but around a definition around assumptions, whether they're agreed or implied. So we don't even necessarily have to name culture for it to be there, but they are learned by the group and drive behaviours. So people coming into a group, and if, you know, you notice it when you're in a new job. How do we behave around here? What's, what's the sort of behaviour that will help you to get on? what's the sort of behaviour that is not productive. Now, the, the issue with those, um, those assumptions once adopted is, A, they're not always written down, and B, they're not always helpful or functional. So being able to unpack that's really important, and um, that's why the work around values and behaviours becomes vital for organisations. Yes, you're reminding me of the work that uh, I think it was Steve Simpson introduced uh, some time back around unwritten ground rules and, you know, the way we do things around here, which is which is a terrific uh, 
body of work, but it all goes to culture, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, I, I really like Steve's work because it's very accessible and meaningful. And Steve talks about, you know, the behaviours when um, when a mayor walks into the room and people sit up compared with someone else might walk in the room and we don't do anything, you know, like just really simple things, but they do go to culture. Um, so I think it's late Feb, isn't it? The due date for submissions. So there's about a month to go. 28th of February, Chris. And yeah, the sort of things that I would, and we've we've done a shout out for VLGA members to give us some comments and we'll be collating those in amongst our own thoughts um, back by way of the submission because we would say that um, there's a real opportunity in the submission to make a strong statement about, you know, what you believe in in terms of culture. Um, but I was sort of wondering, you know, elements, Chris, like what do people think um, within their council group and their executive is the commitment to the strategic planning processes of the council, the integrated strategic planning framework? Mm. You know, so if you think about it, the Act has, you know, heightened uh, the role of the council in terms of strategic planning but this is a really good, good opportunity to check. Actually, do we mean it? Mm. And you know yourself, what are the consequences when having done the plan, um, we perhaps play a game of, well, we didn't really mean it because we can be political anyway. Yes, yes. Um, all right. So I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk about this uh, topic, but particularly for VLGA members, there's an opportunity to work uh, with you on that very soon by the sounds. Look, yeah, look forward to it, Chris. And uh, yeah, anyone, any of our member councils who we're grateful for because the work we do is as a consequence of our members, um, by all means, get in touch if that's helpful. Let's go through some news stories that have hit this week. It's not been the busiest week, but there's a few little pearls in here, uh, Steve. Um, let's deal with this one. Firstly, Queensland's Crime and Corruption Commission is, I think, the definition of an embattled agency at the moment. Um, criticism from a parliamentary committee, criticism from the local government sector, a number of cases have been brought against uh, current and former local government people in a criminal sense that have been um, thrown out when they get to the court stage. Um, the Local Government Association of Queensland came out very strongly and said the chair, Alan McSparren, should stand down. And stand down he has all at the end of uh, business, close of business this um Friday. So um, will that be the end of it? Probably not, but a pretty big step for, for him to be taking. I mean, this has been going on for a while, Chris, when you said that LJIQ had had come out on this topic, you, you could have added again and continuously. Like, they, there has been a, an orchestrated campaign. Um, my sense is you've got to be a bit careful about not shooting the messenger. Um, what do we expect of an agency tasked with investigating misconduct and corruption. Yeah. I would expect that we would expect that they investigate to the fullest extent that they can. I, for me, I think the pity is that, um, and I'm not an expert on the topic, but that in Queensland there is such a nexus between the findings of the integrity agency and the continuation of the council and the fact that they are so closely linked and councillors have been stood down pending um, criminal charges, which have then potentially by another agency been dropped, has led to an element of embarrassment. And I, I do much prefer the arrangement in Victoria whereby, you know, we've got some new controls in terms of individual conduct, 
but the fact that it requires the parliament of, of the state to make a decision to stand people down. And I make the point again, Chris, that um, uh, misconduct and serious misconduct that deserves attention is not necessarily criminal behaviour. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? You, you do have to question a system whereby people, uh, their careers in some cases have been seriously affected um, over a long period of time. And then for whatever reason, there's a lack of evidence or a lack of um, credibility to the claims that are being made to support them going forward. Yeah. doesn't sound fair. I agree, Chris. It doesn't sound right. And it seems, you know, to our observance from a couple of hundred thousand k's away, or a couple of thousand k's away, I should say, that it's a bit premature, the, the dismissal in these cases. All right. Uh, another news story that caught my eye from The Age this time. Confirmation that uh, Councillor Mohammed is returning to work at Yarra City Council next week for their meeting. She's been on a leave of absence. And this is, of course, the case where the inspectorate has sought for the councillor to be stood aside while the criminal matter is dealt with. And we don't have an outcome to that as yet, do we? No, the VCAT, the v, the VCAT are still making its decision, or is still making its decision. Mm. And remembering this, I mean, this is slightly different because the, in any any case, and, and you and I talked about a Shepparton matter um, some months ago when this reared its head, um, this is a case where the inspectorate needs to convince the VCAT that the stand down order ought apply. Um, and we just wait on uh, VCAT to make a decision. If they so determine, um, then the council will be stood down again. Uh, if not, then Councillor Mohammed is, as elected, quite entitled to take her seat. All right. So again, let's uh, let's see what happens next. Um, this week, of course, uh, January twenty sixth, as you as you say, and I did notice you deliberately didn't call it anything else. I'm assuming. Uh, but it was the occasion of the Australian of the Year being announced, the uh, the terrific Dylan Alcott, who at the time of recording, we're doing this on a late on a Thursday, uh, I think he's on court um, at uh, Rod Laver Arena in the in in the final of his event at the Australian Open. Um, great choice. Oh, much love, Dylan Alcott. I mean, I think one of the issues with Australian of the Year is it shouldn't be a popularity contest, but I wouldn't have imagined there would have been too much uh, criticism um, in terms of Dylan's achievements and the advocacy work that he does. And um, look, I'm having a little bit of a break from Twitter. Um, and, and, and in saying that, I, I'm not on, not, not on Twitter, but I'm just not looking as often because it's starting to annoy me a bit, all the vitriol uh, and the, the, the Grace Tame issue this week really has brought out two very divided opinions um, that is just getting a bit full on for my liking. I'll come back to Grace in a minute, Chris. I think um, I took a bit of a step back on that one as well. And um, the comments on various forms of social media are there to be seen and judged. One of the things that I thought was really interesting from a council point of view is often that we in local government recruit people to roles. We might recruit people to paid positions. We might recruit people to um, roles on committees. Uh, I'll come back to culture in a minute. But if we recruit people who are advocates, they will advocate. 
um, that will happen. Now, there's, there is an issue for people who stand for council as advocates because, as you know, sometimes, and this is one for the culture review, sometimes those roles are uh, almost incompatible because the minute you are on council, to an extent, it requires giving up that advocacy role. But and that's very uh, difficult for some people, and we've seen numerous cases where they haven't been able to successfully make that transition. Absolutely, and so I, I was sort of surprised that people would be surprised that right to the end of her term, Grace Tame would do whatever was in her power to be an advocate mm. because. That's what she does. Yeah. Can I throw yeah, one I more? I looked at it that way. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Can I throw in a bit of country music though, Chris? Sure. Any, any time's a good time for country music. <laughs> I'm not sure you'll say that. Iris Dement, who sang the song Our Town, which was, in fact, the final, you know, closeout song for the Marvelous series Northern Exposure all those years ago. Yes, you're going back now. called Going Down to Sing in Texas. And she says in that song, um, Merle Haggard, Willie Nelson, any gun in a cowboy hat would have walked away unscathed after taking a stand like that. And um, I might just leave it there. <laughs> Something a bit gendered going on, I reckon. I'm going to have to brush up on my Iris Dement. I do love her voice. And, um, yeah, okay. While I'm still on Spotify, I'll... <laughs> You're I'll getting brush. quick while you can. And she is on Spotify too. Indeed. Uh, next on my list, Australia Day honours, while we talked about Australia Day, a couple of local government sector honours that um, I've picked up on. Um, forgive me if there are others we haven't heard about yet, but Jamie Hyams, former Glen Ira City Council Mayor, and the late Lyndon Webb, uh, who was the CEO of Wellington Shire and Tawong Shire, also the first president of LG Pro, passed away not that long ago. Um, they've both been awarded an o OAM for services to local government. Yeah, Chris, and more than a bit of mel melancholy in relation to Lyndon, a, a marvellous servant for local government um, in rural settings and also City of Monash and uh, Waverley Council before that, as I recall, I best recall, um, but also a very lovely man. So, yeah, uh, some sort of melancholy joy in that one. Um, a few local government people in other states as well, which we'll we'll leave for the uh, for the local government news roundup podcast to uh, to recognise on the weekend. And uh, we might wrap this up pretty soon. Might be a shorter um, Australia Day week edition this week, Steve. But we've got to talk about what's going on in Ten Downing Street or around Ten Downing Street. Well, our listener might be grateful that we finish early, but I don't think we can we cannot talk about it. Is just the gift that keeps giving, Chris. It is. So, so the latest is apparently poor old Boris has been ambushed by a cake. Yeah. Well, apparently it was a meeting. The story is now going. There's it was a, a meeting, a work meeting, and someone brought in a cake, and they sang happy birthday, but it wasn't a party. No, and they left. So. I can I can understand that. I can see that happening. But someone has decided to characterize this as poor old Boris was ambushed by a cake in the middle of COVID. Well, Chris, if it was so innocent, I would just think they never would have commissioned. What was her name? Oh, yeah. Sue Gray. Yes. <laughs> to to do a review. Like, if it was so insignificant, um, any leader with any level of assertiveness would have said, I am not calling an investigation into that. It is nonsense. 
It's a waste of public money. Now, they didn't do that, and we've got this story that's cropped up weeks later. Yeah. Spare me. And you've got some, some later latest on that, I believe. Oh, the later latest is, I can't recall who it was, but one of the um, the government MPs came out and, and uh, sought to justify it by saying, well, you know, really... We've all sort of mucked up a bit with these COVID restrictions, haven't we? You know, none of us have got clean hands on this. And and look, there is an element to be really careful. We're back to the culture of you, Chris. Yes. How do we rationalise our behaviour? Yeah. Is a really big topic. Yeah, very true. And that's where people yeah. often get themselves in hot water because they rationalise it in a way that uh, makes sense to them at the time, but doesn't necessarily pass the front page smell test. No, in the heat of the moment, it's fine. But when someone in the cold light of day is having a look subsequently, maybe not. So um, are you betting on how long Boris is going to be able to hang on to his uh, position? I've got to confess, I'm surprised he's still there. Um, I think what he has shown is a capacity to hang on and potentially a capacity um, to not pay regard to others other than he. So, you know, I, nothing would surprise because I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure self-reflection is strong suit. All right. Um, I think that's probably all we've got for this week, unless you've got something else hiding up your Teskey brother's sleeve there, Steve. No, sleeve is, is bare. I think, Chris, our work is done. We'll Have wrap it up weekend. and we'll let everyone get back to more important things. That's the governance update. We've covered a lot of ground as, as usual. Uh, next week, we'll be back uh, without summer series. I think it's time to get back to normal. Oh. Don't you think? In a college shirt. Look forward to it, Chris. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thanks, Steve. Have a good one, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Chris. You too. Steve Cooper, Chief of Staff of the VLGA. And that's your VLGA governance update for this week, the last one for January 2022, all with thanks to Hunt and Hunt Lawyers. We'll see you again soon. Bye for now.